Before we get into the episode, we'd just like to mention that due to the current global pandemic, we are conducting some of our discussions with guests on online mediums and therefore there might be some inconsistencies in audio quality in the conversations. Thank you so much for your understanding. Please note that the topics, issues and areas discussed in this podcast may cause distress to some listeners, as well as the possible use of bad language. Listener discretion is advised. Howdy doody and welcome back to Addressing the Elephant, the mental health podcast. My name is Rachel. Thank you for joining me and having a conversation and creating a space to have conversations about mental health. This is part three in the podcast series collaboration that I'm doing with IACAT, the Irish Association of Creative Art Therapists where we're going through all of the different creative art therapies, what they are, what they might involve, and how people might access them. Um, Today's episode, I am talking with Heather. Heather is a drama therapist based in Northern Ireland. Um, She's also a member of IACAT. Um, And actually, in this episode, we also speak with Willa, who is the parent of uh, someone who has availed of drama therapy. And Willa just kind of gives an insight into her perspective and her experience of drama therapy for her daughter, Alice. Uh, so yeah, I hope you enjoy the conversation that Heather and I have and then also the, the segment with Willa. So let's get into it. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Heather. Heather, how are you? I am grand. Thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. Thank you so much for joining me. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do and all that jazz? So my name is Heather Turkington. I am from the north of Ireland. I am a drama therapist, so I work full-time as a drama therapist in County Armagh in a male residential slash nursing facility for for men living with mental health issues. And I've been doing that since I graduated. Um, So I've been doing that for about two and a half years now. I graduated in 2018. Very good. Um, Congratulations on graduating and all that. Did you do the course up north? Did you do it somewhere else? So there was only one course in all of Ireland and I had to, to do that one. I was living in Australia at the time whenever I, I figured out the drama therapy existed actually and thought, wow, I've never seen such a profession that was actually just made for me. Mm-hmm. So I had to come home to do the master's, but there was only one in Minuth at that point. Unfortunately, there's not a course right now. Um, and that is something that a few people are working to rectify which is very exciting. And um, so hopefully there will be one soon, whether it's up north or down south. So um, keep your eyes peeled for that one. So we're, we're keeping drama therapy alive in Ireland here at the minute. There's not very many of us, but we're doing good. We're doing okay. I suppose you and I would kind of have an understanding about what drama therapy is, but I don't, I, I, I would be a big advocate for creative therapies. And I think that talk therapy isn't something that works for everyone. But I suppose in terms of drama therapy, can you explain what drama therapy is, what drama therapy involves. I think, yeah, first of all, I want to say that talk therapies are brilliant. Like they have their place, absolutely have their place. But in kind of limiting yourself to talking therapies, there are a lot of service users or potential service users who would be left out really. And that includes people who are selectively mute, people Mm -hmm. who are mute and people who maybe have experienced trauma that they'd don't want to speak about as yet or can't speak about as yet so um that's where kind of creative art therapies come in and uh, drama therapy for me specifically we use our art form basically as a tool of therapeutic intervention we're psychotherapists 
and it, it just takes away that verbal element a lot of the time we work very much in the art form now there is absolutely no prerequisite to be amazing at art or amazing at music or amazing at drama because I always say it's about the process not Mm -hmm. not the product so it's all really about whatever comes out of you whether it be a drawing or a mime or you know any artistic creation at all it it's the way it's meant to be it's perfect it's what's coming out of you and your subconscious at that point that needs to come out so we're we're a very lovely gentle kind of therapy that gets the job done and isn't too scary I think and yeah I don't think it's it's for everyone I think different kind of therapies suit different kinds of people but we are definitely one that should be noticed used and used more I think mm-hmm. because I know I I think the rhetoric it, it, my observation is the rhetoric is you do counseling or you do talk therapy and that's all there is for you but I'm like actually there is a lot more ways that people even without knowing used to process like when I was a teenager I used to draw and use art and painting as a medium to you know express when I was obsessed or something like that and I wouldn't have thought what it was at the time but it's actually being conscious of it and I think it's really important what you said that Anytime I've just kind of had a casual conversation with someone about, you know, maybe using art or music or drama or whatever as a medium, they're like, oh, but I'm not artistic or I've never done drama or I'm not good at writing. Is that you don't actually have to be good at any of this. You don't have to have studied it in school or anything like that. It's just starting from where you're at and going from there. I'll give you an example, actually. So I hate kind of like movement and dance and that sort of thing. I'm awful at it. I'm dyspraxic. I'm like no coordination at all. But that was um, part of our studies that we on on a few days kind of took part in in that sort of thing. Now, it took me a while to get into it because I was like, you know, all of the self-consciousness. And but once you realize it's actually not about you and it's well it is about you but it's not about you know how how good you are at moving or dancing or or any of the rest of it it's about what's coming from inside of you and you'd be really surprised at what issues that you find yourself working through as a result of that and that is something that I would never ever have chosen for myself because I you know always was just like no I can't I can't do that I don't have any coordination and it became something that I became less scared of and was also able to kind of like work through things using it um so anyone who's kind of like oh no I can't do drama I can't do this I can't do that oh my word it is that that's not even something that you could you should be considering like it yeah it, it doesn't kind of follow that pressurized kind of performance-based rhetoric at all so yeah no I, I would encourage you to go for it and, and try it out and see how, how you how you feel about it you know mm-hmm. and I suppose when it comes to drama therapy so I suppose uh, when I think of art I instantly think of painting drawing whatever uh, when I think of music I think of using an instrument or writing lyrics or singing a song or flowing with music when I think of drama my experience with drama would have been being taking part in plays and doing kind of like performance and like a lot of mirroring activities I did drama as part of a module in college but I suppose in terms of using it for drama therapy or in the therapeutic sense what are maybe some of the types of activities that some I I know it's different for every drama therapist and every person but I suppose just what sort of 
types of activities might you do? Would you do something like mirroring or expression through a feeling? Like, I, I, I suppose I'm just thinking that if I was feeling a certain way and I had to do a movement to demonstrate how I was feeling, that could possibly be something that I would think would fall under drama therapy. But that's my uneducated guess. Well, no, your uneducated guess is, is quite educated. Although what you say in that it is very different for every single person, that's something I will say for drama therapy is that we are so client-led as a profession and we are so person-centered as well. So it's really what a drama therapist does is holding the space for healing. And I just find it such an honor to be able to do it. I, I, I just find it such an honor to be able to be there at people's kind of most vulnerable healing moments a lot of the time. And it depends on what the service user or client is ready to, to do. Um, we will never, ever kind of be pushing to go somewhere that, that a client is not ready to go to. And in fact, the client kind of leads that process almost. We just facilitate the space. Now, with regards to the kind of like activities that we would use during that, like we would use a lot of kind of stories and myths and I love using stories and myths because they're a lovely kind of safe container and they provide like within this, the, the beginning, middle and end, a real kind of safety net almost. So yeah, and you would be really surprised. I find in sessions a lot of the time, if I'm through stories with people or that sort of thing, they will, they will choose the ones that they really need to kind of like work with most with regards to issues and, and that sort of thing. You know, you, you kind of are, are the, the leader of your own healing, I suppose. So mm -hmm. that's how stories and myths work. And then we would do a lot of kind of like, we would work with masks and we would work with puppets and we would use sand and we would use roll a lot of the time as well. So it, it really depends on every single client where they're at what they're comfortable with that sort of thing so it, it's kind of a, a anything goes but within a really safe environment obviously <laughs> mm -hmm. and I think I think that's really important for people to be aware of that you know like you said anything goes within a safe environment but just what you said is that you're just holding the space for someone and I think that is really helpful for people to know that it's not about because I think sometimes if I have conversations with people about, you know, different therapies, they're like, oh, I'm going to get fixed. And I'm like, it's it's not about getting fixed. You know, it's about being able to process and be where you're at and kind of process through things. And I think, you know, it's completely conscious that, you know, this is a process and we can revisit things and use different techniques and even using different techniques, such as like maybe drama, art or talk therapy for the same thing, you know, can yeah. can yield different results and can help you see things in a new light or in a in a in a different sense. Yeah, it's it's not a quick fix. There's so many misconceptions of therapy, I think, whether it be creative arts therapy or drama therapy or even talk therapy, you know, there's <laughs> I actually saw it yesterday on online. It was like, oh no, therapy is too expensive. I like have my friends and coworkers to vent to. And it's like, we're not about venting. I mean, you know, you can use us as a space to vent, but like there's so much more to the therapeutic process and so much more intricacy and uh, so much more of a journey and it's space that's held just for you as well so yeah it, it's not just about kind of like getting things out there there's 
there's things that I work through in therapy I'm in therapy because I really see the value of it and you know because I'm a therapist and I feel that I should really kind of like be on the receiving end of what I've given out as well and yeah I feel like I'm going to be in therapy for years because there's a million things that I should work through like I would see myself as as quite a well-rounded kind of person but at the end of the day everyone has stuff that they need to work through whether it be stuff from your childhood or whether it be stuff from years ago or whether it be themes or issues or whether it be just stuff that happened to you that week or that day and getting to, it's about getting to know yourself more as well and being self-aware and and kind of having more control over your own life really and how, how you direct it and, and which direction you go. Yeah. It's, it, it's about processing stuff, but then also like I had a conversation with my friend before about therapy and trying to find people and stuff. And he was like, you know, I don't feel that I, have stuff that I would need to go to someone about but I still feel I would benefit having that person that you know even if I saw them you know once every you know six months or something like that they're like he was like I think I would benefit from having that space and I think one thing I constantly say when it comes to mental health and even having this space shall we say that's that's not your friends and stuff like that is you know I know who my hairdresser is when I want to go get my hair done I know who my doctor is I know if my car is affected. I know who my mechanic is, but why do I have to wait till a point of crisis to find who that person is that supports me with my mental health or to find that, you know, technique or find these different mediums that help me? I think it's just having that person and using it as a medium to process, you know, whether it's something from your past, your present, or whether it's just to kind of help maintain where you're at and help you kind of grow and and strive and kind of with with personal development as well it's not about necessarily dealing with the negative sides it's actually to help you grow as well there are so many times that it's five minutes before my therapy session and I'm like I'm fine I have nothing to bring here what am I going to talk about for the next hour how am I going to fill this? It's going to be awkward. It's going to be awful. And this is me, a therapist, thinking like this, you know, so, you know, I can only imagine what everyone else is feeling as well before a therapy session, you know, that's just me. Um, And that is my job, you know, but honestly, I always end up filling the space with what needs to be brought and I think that is the sign of a good therapist as well because they're able to kind of like gently just nudge you in a direction and see if that if that direction is the right one for today and there's always going to be a direction because people are always moving and always growing and there's always a direction to be taken there's always something to be figured out and um it's not just about fixing things it's about finding your way and your flow through life the best way you possibly can as well so yeah like all my doubt as soon as I'm in the therapy space is just oh yeah of course Heather this is why you're here you know I I don't need to actually freak out about you know I don't have a specific problem this week what am I going to talk about and it's like oh you do you've just buried them (laughs) you mentioned at the start that you you work in a residential um, facility and I suppose just as a as a question not necessarily about that in terms of 
shall we say, drama therapy? You said there's a few of you around Ireland. Does it tend to stay kind of within residential facilities or are there independent drama therapists around Ireland? I don't know if you know this. I'm not expecting you to know every drama therapist, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, if you have a little community, you're like, I know, I know you. So I suppose in terms of drama therapy across the Ireland as a island as a whole, how do people avail of it? Like, is it a private thing? Is it in, involved in centres or...? You, you say that you don't expect me to know every single drama therapist, but I'm almost confident that I, I nearly do at this point. Like we're, we're such a, and even creative arts therapists are such a small community of people um, because we're not as well known and as well used as we should be yet. So yeah, we're still very, very small in that respect. Yeah, so I think a lot of drama therapists would be in private practice just because of, of that exactly. We're, we're not completely known yet as much as we should. And once we graduate, it's almost like, oh, wow, well, we have to just keep working just as hard because we have to create our own opportunities, whether it be opening our own practice or whether it be pitching to um, some sort of community group or school or hospital or that sort of thing. And, you know, I was very, very lucky with, with my job because I had been working there the whole way through my master's. I started off as a care assistant. I went on to activities and um, yeah, throughout my master's, I, I was working as activities there. And then once I graduated, I, I realized there was a space for me as a drama therapist there and could actually be be used in a really positive way. So I put in, and this is the kind of thing that we have to do is I put in a proposal and it was just like, this is what drama therapy is. And this is something we find ourselves doing over and over and over is explaining, explaining, explaining who we are, what we do, who we are, what we do. And you feel like a record on repeat, but it needs to happen in order to get us kind of out there at the minute. And you know how drama therapy could benefit the residents and the company and what it would look like and just setting it all out there. And so that's how I got my full-time job and I'm so lucky to be to be in that because that's very very rare at the minute now there are lots of kind of drives happening at the minute to get drama therapy into and because I'm up north into the NHS and into the HSC as well so there's a lot of stuff happening with regards to that happening and I really am in support of that I cannot wait until that happens properly and we're actually used as a core mental health intervention because it'll open up therapy to a whole lot of people who at the minute it's it's quite inaccessible for and I, I can only see it as as being a good thing. Yeah. So like I've heard of some different units, like inpatient units across the country that have maybe utilized, you know, I think art therapy is something that people know a little bit more about. I think that is maybe when people think of creative therapies, like, oh, yeah, you can use art. So I think that's maybe the leading way. So I have heard of, you know, art therapy being used intermittently, shall we say, within some some centers. But I, I completely believe that we need to understand all these different mediums and all the different realms of creative therapies. So like, I know personally, my rhetoric would tend to be art, would tend to be music because that's things I'm passionate about. But then I'm also conscious that I have a background working in youth and I all the time use movement and activities for young people to help them, whether we're just doing an activity or whether it's kind of helping them to connect as a group. I'm always using that sort of things. And like, we know we all feel better after a bit of a dance. You throw on your favorite song and a bit of a wiggle. Like, so why are we not conscious about all these different aspects and things that we use them to help us calm down or manage our own emotions anyways? But why 
do we think it's such a, a leap to use them in a therapeutic sense? And I think it should be definitely brought to the fore in Ireland. I think we very much need to do it on the whole island. A hundred percent. Like we are evidenced therapeutic interventions. Like we're evidence-based psychotherapists and there is no reason at all. And we're very, very lucky up north in that we are part of the 13 allied health professions. So we are actually registered professionals. Like we, drama therapy is a protected term. And at the moment in, in the south of Ireland, that's not the case. And it is so dangerous and such a shame you know because like at the minute it's kind of like you know anyone could call themselves a drama therapist because you know you don't have it's not that protected title and that's really unsafe for uh, like potentially unsafe for for service users as well so you know the sooner that that is recognized and we are recognized on site as a a proper kind of therapeutic intervention that can be used in the HSE the better basically <laughs> I would absolutely agree with that in the sense of I, I don't know how we we get to that stage of that it's more acknowledged or more recognized that it's it's something that should be acknowledged as a therapeutic medium like like you said the research is there and the evidence is there for the benefit of it and I, I'm just kind of thinking like I don't expect me and you to to come up with the ideas <laughs> and then, but how how as a as a society or how as individuals in the community can we try and make it more acknowledged or accessible is it by showing that there's a demand and people actually raising awareness and wanting to use it or are there other kind of things that you see from being up north that maybe could be implemented down south as well yeah it's it's kind of a mixture of all of the above and it it really is a full-time job and I'm yeah I'm very kind of heavily involved in in promoting drama therapy within the NHS and you know where I can in the HSE as well in February I um, hosted a webinar and it was for the general public and for healthcare professionals as well because although we are not very well known publicly like within the public realm we are also not very well known within our multidisciplinary teams there are healthcare professionals so uh, other healthcare professionals so yeah it's kind of um I've I've made it my mission to just get that word out there so there was there was a webinar in in February there actually hundreds of people turned up and we we went through um up up here it's music art and drama therapy that are three of the 13 allied health professions but yeah, so it, it's very much about um, making sure that people know that we are evidenced because that is a big thing and always working with outcome measures. Um, like within my work, I'm, I've had to, to take that on, even though I'm, I'm not very confident in it, but it's something that I'm learning as I go because I know that it's really, really important. Also, I just speak about it whenever I can. So, you know, the likes of doing podcasts and the likes of creating little videos or, you know, um, having like, I don't know, Facebook is, you know, maybe on its way out, but, you know, Facebook and Instagram pages and and that sort of thing as well. Like, and always contributing and always speaking. And if I see something on Twitter that's to do with healthcare, I'll always make sure to be like, drama therapy could do this 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 as well you know you know um making sure that that opportunities for education are there you know that courses are up and running or working towards courses being up and running that sort of thing so 
yeah, it's always just thinking at all angles, you know, education and placements and um, public knowledge and awareness raising and that sort of thing. You're coming from from all angles. But um, do you know what? I I don't know whether I'm there's something wrong with me, but I love it. I love the whole kind of just getting it all out there and coming up with these ideas and, and being a part of making that happen as well. So it's hard work, but it all needs to happen in the name of promoting how amazing our profession actually mm-hmm. is because I used to say no I didn't used to say I still say it but I shouldn't I, I always say it's like wow like being in a session sometimes for me as a therapist I'm just like this is magical and of course it's not it's very scientific and evidence-based but you know just the process that you're able to see clients work through is just unbelievable you're like wow like you get goosebumps and you're like this is really working and you see it happening before you and yeah it's it's gorgeous Mm -hmm. definitely it is that's a good I like the word you use that it's a gorgeous process because it is I know like you said it is scientific based and stuff like that but there is something magical about like even no matter what medium you use I don't want to use the word having a breakthrough with something but kind of having that little kind of step forward or having this like whoa I can feel a little different now about this I'm not, you may not be over it or it might be the the final push you needed to get processed through something but seeing that and being able to you know support someone with that is incredible one kind of trend that I've seen happening a lot is actually a lot of people have started putting up Here, here's a mental health tip it's a really important conversation that everyone needs to have and I think everyone's voice is really important in it. So the more people that are talking about mental health, the better. And, you know, anyone who talks about mental health doesn't have to be a licensed professional at all because everyone has mental health, you know, and, you know, whether it be good or bad or in between, like it's it's something that everyone is familiar with. Everyone's familiar with feeling a little bit sad or, you know, and not really knowing why or that sort of thing. So everyone is very very entitled to talk about it what not everyone is entitled to do is to kind of dish out like advice I suppose you know and say that it's it's gospel because not very much is is going to work for everyone you know there, there's not really one thing that I could say to anyone that's going to work for a hundred percent of the people that I chat to and that is just the beauty of humanity we are all very very different and work in very different ways but that is why the process of therapy and of drama therapy is so needed because it really gets into the depths of you specifically it's so person-centered and I know I've said that word before but I love it so much because it's not just a program that you're like oh these are five steps to success or do this thing and you'll feel amazing no let's figure out what makes you tick and how we are gonna help you live your best life from 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 here on in or get through this specific thing it's so different for every single person so yeah that I think there, there's there's a fine line there and you know you can't just kind of like go to your friends and call it therapy you know there are things that can be therapeutic but they're they're not therapy and it's a very different space once you're in a room in a in a therapy room or in a therapy space be it on online or or in face-to-face capacity you know, it's it's a different process altogether than what you would ever have from just speaking to your friends. 
and I agree with what you've said in the sense that everyone should talk about mental health and that's something I keep saying. So even if it's that you're talking to friends about, you know, I'm not doing so good, but not using them as that therapy therapist, you know what I mean? But I definitely agree that, you know, we need to be having these conversations and everyone is entitled to having this space. But like you said, it is a fine line and you shouldn't be giving out advice or trying to fix someone. I, I, I hate, I see that term all the time. It's like, oh, do this and it'll help, it'll get, make you better or it, the kind of fix mentality. And I'm like, there's no fixing. I, I, I personally don't like the way of phrase of saying that you fix someone because I think people grow and they learn and they process things. Absolutely, 100%. So yeah, you can say it better yourself. And I keep the, <laughs> whenever you're speaking there, all I can think of is that song, Fix You. And like that really like enrages therapists because you're just like, why are you trying to fix that person are you a qualified professional no (laughs) you're singing a song (laughs) and I wouldn't mind it's a very sad song so it makes a lot of people cry I'm sure I suppose we're all conscious that COVID-19 has been a thing that's been around longer than we all imagined it would be and longer than we probably all wanted it to be but I suppose in terms of your work have you seen COVID impacting on the people you work with has it you know impacted like I don't know, has it has it impacted some way and that, you know, drama therapy might have increased in need or? I have seen over kind of the past year and a half, I have seen kind of the content of sessions change and I, I don't know, kind of like mold itself to where we are in society at the minute. And I always think that care homes are like a microcosm of society, society almost like whatever's going on on the outside, there's, there's that feeling that, that's there on the inside of of a care home but it's on a a much kind of smaller but more pronounced scale so yeah and there definitely has been a sense that people are not allowed to go out people are not allowed to go out for walks people are not allowed to go and see their families families are not allowed to come and see them so yeah I have definitely kind of seen an increase in themes of loneliness and entrapment and frustration my word the frustration is just oh it's everywhere but you know those are things that everyone is feeling but I am seeing them grow so much in a therapeutic space with my clients yeah I I definitely have kind of seen that have an effect yeah it's been it's quite a difficult space to work in like in healthcare at the minute in general and it's it's been very interesting kind of seeing how um how people's kind of like mental physical everything health has been affected specifically by COVID but yeah definitely the the main thing I think for mental health specifically getting out is such a big thing even you know something as simple as going to the shop suddenly that was gone and even going out for a walk that was gone and it's this real feeling of just oh closed inness and for people already uh, living with mental health that is something that's really going to aggravate and change how you are feeling along your mental health journey so yeah it's it's been quite intense in that respect and I have been glad that I've been there and able to to use drama therapy to address some of this as well and yeah a lot of it has has been kind of confusion because we're, we're not aware and, and no one's aware of everything that's going on everyone only has their own reality so it's trying to figure out what's the best way forward for yourself and I think one of the really good analogies about COVID that I heard was that we're all in the same boat 
but we're all kind of like experiencing it completely differently you know so like there's people who um have lost people there's people who have lost their jobs their careers there's people who lost their social lives you know who have gained mental health problems you know you know that sort of thing so we've all just had completely different experiences of the same pandemic and that is something that everyone's trying to figure out as we go so it's been a real kind of privilege to be there and and work through that with with a number of my clients you know Mm -hmm. And uh, I've heard that analogy as well. And I've actually heard a spin off it, which I prefer the, the spin, shall we say, in the sense that we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. So that was it, it, I think. Uh, well, I, I have heard people say we're not in the same boat uh, or we're all in the same boat, but we're not in, we're not experiencing the same. I have heard people use it that way, but also I, I think a more encompassing way is, yes, we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat and we're processing it different ways and stuff like that. And I think one thing I'm conscious of and I'm waiting, waiting for, shall we say, is the after effect of coming out of COVID. So, you know, like you said, people have been struggling with, you know, the frustration, the loneliness, the isolation, not seeing people. And now that we maybe can, there, there, there's two parts there. There's like, oh, this newfound freedom. But also there's kind of that like fear to now go back to the way we were. And I think a lot more people are going to need some sort of support to not necessarily reintegrate, but to kind of just get over that hump of, you know, I'm, get, I'm getting back into society and just realizing what has happened in the last 18 months. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of processing. And I think that after this pandemic, we're going straight headlong into another one that like into a mental health one. And it's now that we need to be preparing for that. And that is why it is so important that these conversations are happening more and more. And there's more awareness being brought to other types of therapy other than than talking. Because like I said at the start, it is great, but it is not going to suit everyone. Just like drama therapy is not going to suit everyone, but they need to be out there and they need to be accessible because we are going into crisis mode here with with mental health and you know it it is that kind of thing oh my gosh the relief of getting back to normal but at the same time normal for a lot of people pre-pandemic was wasn't all that and there's a lot of kind of anxiety to to going back to that or you know what's going to be the same what's going to be different we we are in that place of not knowing and that's a really difficult place to be so we need to be kind of figuring out coping strategies and kind of letting our options be be known absolutely and I I agree and that is part of the reason I started the green elephant and the whole reason kind of what I'm talking about is we do need to have these conversations and we do need to normalize people talking about mental health whether it's that you're struggling or whether like like you said earlier on everyone has mental health we're just at different stages on it And I just think we do need to be having these conversations and whether it's just having a conversation about mental health, whether it's actually having a conversation about the alternative ways that you can get support or the different things you can do, whether it's coping strategies, sensory strategies, there is so much that we, we, as a society, well, I feel as a society, people don't necessarily know about, they know about talk, talking, if you're not feeling great and medication and that's kind of it. And I was like, there's a, there's so much that we can do and there's so much that can really benefit mental health. Um, and even actually, I, I've said this on a podcast before, but one of the best things that ever happened to me um, on my mental health journey was actually just admitting to myself and other people, I'm not okay. 
um, and starting that and then using all of these other coping uh, strategies or building like my, my toolkit, shall we say. But definitely the place to start whatever we're talking about in relation to it is just to start having conversations. Yeah, and it infuriates me that sometimes, and it's not kind of like our healthcare workers' fault, it's the system, but like, you know, people going in and, you know, they, they might have just tried something really awful and, you know, they're, they're handed a Samaritan's card and told that they're going to be going on medication and that's it. And you're just like, no, there is so much more to be done here. That is like someone coming in with a broken leg and someone handing them a plaster and telling them to drive home themselves. Like, that's what it's like. And it needs to change. <laughs> like, I feel so passionately about this. Yeah, that is that is what we're working towards here. And I do think there is movement and that is so exciting. And we are definitely going in the right direction, but we'd need to hurry up about it, lads, because yeah, it's, it's going to hit us pretty soon. It's, it's definitely going to hit us pretty soon. Um, Heather and I are joined by Willa, who is the parent of a child who has availed of drama therapy. And Heather and I have just spoken about all of the ins and outs of what dra- drama therapy is, what drama therapy can do for people. And uh, we're delighted to have Willa, the parent of a child who has availed of drama therapy, to kind of talk about, you know, how drama therapy has impacted on the life of uh, Willa's daughter. Do you want to maybe give us some background information about why you maybe use drama therapy? Was there a reason you picked drama therapy over a talk therapy? Any sort of backgrounds? Yeah, sure. Um, so my daughter, Alice, um, she's 16 now, but Alice, um, she was diagnosed with CDLS, which is Cornelia DeLange syndrome when she was eight months old. And uh, the syndrome includes, you know, being of short stature and having language, speech and language communication issues. Um, also a lot of behavior issues that would share a lot in common actually with autism impulse behavior issues in particular, not being able to always control uh, her emotions or her actions. So I had met Heather um, through a friend and I knew she was working in drama therapy and I was looking for something beyond what she was getting in school. She was getting some speech therapy in school, but Alice tends to be, she, she really loves play and you know, she's very musical. She loves any kind of play acting. Actually, she'll turn her own hand into a little puppet, for instance, and make it speak using her thumb kind of as the as the mouth um, or turning her various toys into, you know. So she, it seemed like a natural fit to me for her to, you know, do something in that area. I suppose partly too, because she's quite small for her age. And I think she finds you know, the real world quite overwhelming sometimes, just in terms of the scale of it and the sounds. And she loves very small spaces. And I know that Heather worked a lot with her on creating these, you know, little worlds within our world, which is, I guess, what drama does all the time, right? And so to create these kind of safe spaces with lights and cushions and tents, um, fort type Um, So again, like a world within a world where she could feel, you know, that she didn't need to follow maybe all the rules that are in the big bad world that she finds, I think, quite, as I say, overwhelming sometimes or that 
she doesn't quite fit into all the rules of, of uh, our everyday world. Yeah, one of the first things I, I noticed with Alice was that she loved to create um, characters and worlds and use them as her voice. And that is a lot of what drama therapy is about, is using the art form and using the creative medium to kind of work through anything that the, the client might not be ready to face by themselves kind of head on. So yeah, we started off with a lot of stories. We used puppets, we used masks. And I find that Alice actually talked a lot more whenever she was in her, whenever she was using the puppets, when we were creating stories. That was when Alice was able to communicate on a level that I didn't see otherwise. So she was so wonderful with creating these little worlds and relationships between the characters say if it was dolls or puppets and that sort of thing like I remember you picking her up and would just be like crawling out of these kind of like forts with lights and music and but you know Alice had created all of this herself and there were, it was such a wonderful journey to be a part of that she brought me on and I was kind of honored to be able to facilitate it as well because yeah, we shared this kind of like magical world that we were creating over the few weeks that that we were, that, or was it, I think it was nearly a year that we were together. Yeah, um, I think it was about a year, that's right. Yeah, it was, it was a lovely, lovely experience. Yeah, and that's true. Um, I, I should have added that Alice didn't speak at all until she was about two and a half. Um, she was just this very silent baby, almost like it always felt like she was almost afraid to speak, afraid to make a sound. Um, and again, it's part of her condition. But as you say, she does um, sort of come to life when she is giving voice to some object or a puppet or, you know, when she puts it outside of herself, she's suddenly able to communicate in and express and have a vocabulary that, you know, would sort of shock a lot of people. Uh, but just in terms of the level of vocabulary she actually has, most people wouldn't really ever ex expect her to have. There's a lot more going on inside of her than I think the outside world would expect or know. And it was kind of through the drama that I feel like she was able to become more herself. And, and ironically, like by taking on characters outside of herself. And I was just struck by what Heather said about Alice using different masks, you know, trying on different voices, almost as a way of finding herself and finding her way in the world. Yeah, it worked really well with Alice because she was in control of this world that she was creating and it was where she felt comfortable. Um, and it was so lovely to kind of in session to see her kind of come out of herself and take control of what was happening with her characters, what was happening with herself as well. So it was a world that she was able to understand because it was her world. What I find really interesting was hope you don't mind me saying was because she hadn't she didn't speak a lot in session unless it was you know through a character or through the the art form which is grand because that's what we do but Alice chose the story that we worked with herself as we do in drama therapy and she actually chose the little mermaid which was a lovely choice because the little mermaid a lot of the themes are to do with losing your voice finding your voice and Alice was able to choose that story for herself. Yeah, a, a lot of kind of things were, were worked with through that. That's so interesting too, because The Little Mermaid is 
also straddling these two different worlds or you know doesn't feel like she fits in the sea and she also doesn't quite fit on the land and it's a great metaphor for maybe how Alice feels sometimes because I think even though she attends a special school I feel like you know so much of what goes on is kind of making these children feel like they don't quite fit you know and I think that is communicated in all kinds of ways by the world that that's why they need to go to this special school and not to a regular school yeah so the fact that she she had such control over the world that she could create I think um that really empowered her she had the knowledge to to create that herself so I was there facilitating it and it was so lovely to see but to see within those little worlds that she was creating which actually turned into really big worlds at the end of it. We were able to kind of like practice real world situations, but with her in control within kind of um, the realms of practicing social skills, you know, ordering things at shops and that sort of thing, or, you know, meeting uh, someone on a walk on the beach and how you would interact. So we worked a lot on kind of those social interactions that you would have in the real world that maybe would be quite overwhelming outside of the world that she had created and you know over time kind of practicing those until a a measure of kind of being comfortable appeared yeah as opposed to being thrown in underneath all the societal expectations shall we say like like you said the whole time it seems that she was more comfortable having that control and I think it's it's really interesting for me to see that not only was it her way of you know expressing and but also like you said there Heather that you were using these mediums to develop some social skills as well and I suppose just to kind of maybe throw back to you Willa and then I suppose Heather can come in as well you know you weren't involved in the the therapy side of it you weren't in the sessions you came in afterwards but is there kind of you know how how did this experience of using drama therapy for Alice impact on not only your life but on Alice's life that you saw? Yeah well just immediately when I would come to collector and you could just feel like a, an ontological change nearly like that she she just seemed so calm and happy and would be you know for for the, that afternoon evening but I suppose it also tried to I'd help me think more about the ways to deal with her because Alice she really just exists in the present on the whole and you know that's why I think she loved these sessions because you know this world would be created you know it was she could kind of make whatever she wanted um and it became a reality for that hour and there was nobody asking her what did she do earlier in the day or what was she going to do you know or demanding that she attend to certain rules um so yeah it allowed her to exist in the present I think which I think she found really liberating and empowering so I've tried to do more of that uh, with, you know, (laughs) variable success, you know, because of course there's a lot going on at home and you can't always be living in a fort, but um, try to create those kinds of spaces for her and try to exist more in the present like that for her or just do little things like, you know, so I guess the more playful she finds the situation, the more likely she is to to, uh, enjoy herself and not feel that she's being judged or that she doesn't fit or that she has to become somebody different, you know? I think within session, it took Alice a while. 
Well, it took us a while to kind of build up a level of therapeutic trust as it does in every kind of therapeutic relationship. And at the start, there was kind of like, you know, trying to set boundaries. And as the weeks went on, I noticed this kind of like pushing boundaries behavior outside of what we were meant to be doing decreased. And because Alice became so engrossed in the, the work that we were actually doing that there was no need. She was in charge of what was happening in here and in now. It's true. You know, she's at her best when she can lose herself in some activity and yeah, almost uh, forget that, forget about herself, you know, for, for this time to, to be involved in the play. I mean, I think that's true of all of us. I think when, you know, that's when we do our best work and creativity when, you know, the self sort of drops away and you're involved in something and you're in the present and it seemed to allow her to do that, I think. And I think one thing that is kind of coming out for me uh, around it is the idea that as a society or whatever, we're always like, okay, you know, you have to do this, 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 like these are the boundaries and these are the rules, but that doesn't work for everyone. And people interpret things in different ways. And I think for me, one thing that's coming across is, Willa, from your experience of being on the outside of the creative therapies, you're now maybe looking at ways to still use it in a kind of a play creative way. And then like Heather, you were saying that understanding the boundaries, but also doing it in a, in a way that someone can explore and understand it themselves rather than, you know, we're doing it this way because this is how it's done. And I think that for me is a very beneficial aspect of how we need to communicate and engage with people anyways. But I think it's also an extra part that maybe a creative therapy has is exploring these alternative ways rather than just telling someone that this is what it is, you know, helping them to kind of explore and figure it out themselves. I remember at the start, there was a session where Alice just like, I want to be outside today. And there was no keeping her inside at all. So we did an outside session and that, I think drum therapy is one of those things that you just have to go with it. And it's very service user led and client led. So, because they're the ones doing the work. Yeah, and I think Alice is kind of a natural rule breaker. Drama is all about play, right? Um, there are no boundaries or rules really on the stage and you can make what, you know, what reality you will. And I think, yeah, the, the key with Alice is to try to uh, bring play to every situation seems to work wonders with her. And work for, for people in general, like I said, finding other ways to, to communicate with people. But I do think that that's an interesting aspect in the sense that it can also allow that safe space to identify these you know what are things that work for me and it's done in a safe space that can then make us feel more comfortable to transfer them into real life as well or even the the idea of having these rituals or these movements or whatever that help us if that makes sense yeah no it absolutely does Alice responded really really well to the ritual movement the kind of creating little world small worlds where we call them in in therapy and um you know Alice I felt communicates in it it's not that she has difficulty communicating she just communicates in a different way and it's up to us I think to kind of to learn her language and it's the same for all kind of um clients like everyone communicates in different ways and it's just about learning how that communication works I suppose yeah and I think her language is quite embodied as well you know so I find she is teaching me all the time, you know, about just how to live more in the present, how to be more playful, you know, how to stop thinking about what's coming next, you know, and try to live in the moment more. So I think the drama therapy has been really good at 
you know, helping her feel good about that way that she already is, um, helping her explore that self, but also like showing us how to be more like that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think everyone needs to to do a bit more of that, to be honest, live more in the present and not be so far ahead and, you know, actively uh, engaging in play. I think as a society, a lot more people need to be doing that as well. So we can all learn yeah. a bit more from Alice. Yeah, I mean, I think Alice has a lot to teach society in general as well, because, yeah, I, I don't think it's as much a case of sometimes helping clients to relate to the, the world rather than helping the world relate to the clients because yeah at, at the end of the day I think we all we all share the world and we all kind of need to like learn to understand each other and our differences so I need to learn a little bit more and live the way of Alice. Willa thank you so much for having this conversation with me and Heather also and sharing your experience and you know Alice's experience um, of drama therapy I really appreciate it and I hope everyone else who's listening does also appreciate your honesty and openness about it but then also the insight that it has given into maybe what drama therapy is like for someone or what it can do for someone. It's very individualistic for a lot of people. And I think Alice's journey was very individualistic for Alice, but also it's very eye-opening and it can help us to reflect on how a creative therapy can impact on anyone and can be used in different ways. So um, thank you for sharing your experience and Alice's experience. Thanks, Rachel. Um, Heather, thank you so much for talking to me today and explaining to us kind of about drama therapy and about all of the different stuff and just actually having an open conversation about therapy and mental health in, in general. Yeah, no, it's what I love. It's what I'm living for at the minute. So <laughs> um, if people were to try and find out about, say, yourself and your professional capacity or the Irish Association of Creative Art Therapists, are there different social media accounts that they can find on Instagram or Facebook? Are there any socials that people can check out? Yes, yeah, so Aya Kat, the Irish Association of Creative Arts Therapists. We are on Instagram. We're also on LinkedIn and we're on Facebook as well. So if you just search Aya Kat or Aya Kat Ireland, we should come up. And so if we're saying Aya Kat, it's I-A-C-A-T. So Irish Association of Creative Arts Therapists, I-A-C-A-T, Aya Kat. Yeah, so that they're on all the socials. And then there are a few of us up north who the drama therapists up north have uh, made a Facebook page. We're not on Instagram yet, but it is just Drama Therapy Northern Ireland. So if you get in touch with that page, you'll you'll get in touch with kind of all the drama therapists in Northern Ireland, really. <laughs> so yeah, that that's where we are for for up here. Great stuff. Well, thank you so much for for chatting with me. And it was a pleasure on my side. I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And when I said there at the end that I really enjoyed and it was a pleasure for me to talk to Heather, it really was. Heather and I had a long conversation, as you can tell in the podcast, but we also spoke outside of the podcast and it was just very enjoyable on my part. And also to have the conversation with Willa and get her perspective of drama therapy and the impact that it has had on the life of her daughter, Alice. So so this as I said at the start, this is part three in a six-part series with Aya Kat about all things creative art therapies. Um, if you missed the first two, the first one was an introduction into who Aya Kat are and what they do. The second episode was art therapy and I spoke to Heidi, um, an art therapist, about what art therapy is and what it can do. The next episode in the series, I am talking to Noemi, who is a dance and movement psychotherapist. So do check in for that. As always, do reach out to us on social media at thegreenelephant.ie 
E on Instagram and Facebook and Green Elephant MH on Twitter. I also have a website, thegreenelephant.ie. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for creating the space and engaging in conversation about mental health. And we'll catch you on the next episode where we talk with Noemi about dance and movement psychotherapy. Address the elephant in the room. Your mental health matters.